Hello everyone and welcome to something the same yet a little bit different. As you can see, I've changed the name of the podcast from Chasing GC to Infinite Boost. Since I started the podcast, I haven't really been a huge fan of the name Chasing GC for a couple of reasons. First, I don't like the word chasing. It alludes to the idea that you're not catching up or you're not going to be able to catch up to what you're trying to get to. The second part is, well, GC. The reason I don't like GC is once I get there or once you get there or once everybody gets there, there's still so much more to the game. Like Corelli said in one of my earliest episodes, the game really opens up once you hit GC. There's so much more to learn, there's so much more to explore, so it's not just about getting GC, it's about being the best player that you can be in this game. And for some that could be GC, for some that could be Diamond 3, but the fact remains that I want you to be able to get as much out of this podcast as possible, and I feel like aligning that with a name that makes sense, that I really feel strongly about, will, no pun intended, boost me into 2020 full force. So let me tell you a little bit about where Infinite Boost comes from. Well, I've said this a couple times to people on the show, and you'll hear it multiple times, is that Infinite Boost is fun. Having unlimited boost in the game is a great time and it just gives you the opportunity to do crazy stuff and it's a lot of fun. But then also thinking about it a little bit deeper, infinite boost to me means that there's no end to your growth, there's no end to your potential until you stop trying. So infinitely boosting, infinitely going forward and trying to improve on a consistent basis. That's what I'm about and that's what this podcast is about. I know that with Rocket League, I never want to stop trying to get better and I want to emphasize that and really have this podcast be an anchor of that mindset. So that's where the name Infinite Boost comes from. I hope that you like the name change. I hope that you can get behind the name change because I'm really... uh, It just adds so much more enthusiasm to the show for me because it it really radiates what the show is about now for me. So let me know what you think of the new name. Let me know what you think of the logo. I'm really excited about it. Uh, I'm not going to go on and on because I have a really exciting show to give you to play right now with Cloud Fuel. So let's just hop right into it. Roll the show. So my first guest for this new adventure into the same podcast and yet a different podcast, I I could not be more excited. We go back literally to the beginning days of Rocket League, uh, thinking about getting put into a Skype chat with all the pros that were like pros of the day. You know, of course, Cronovi was there, Gibbs was there, Doomsie was there, Cole, like all those guys in a Skype chat with a couple people from Psionics getting thrown into this Skype chat because somebody from Psionics listened to my podcast, Epic Ariel. I think that's really how we got connected first. And this guy that is on the show with me right now is... I, I'm going to say this, and I don't care how you feel about it. I look at you as like the godfather, the beginning of what was competitive Rocket League. And I just don't think that this community would be the same without you. And you have moved on to 
doing other things. And at the same time, Rocket League still holds a big place in your heart. And uh, as someone that holds this game so dearly and it becomes more and more dear to me as we go on, uh, I will forever be grateful whether you're in the scene or not. I'm going to stop going on because I could continue going on and on. I will say Cloud Fuel, thank you so much for joining me on the Infinite Boost podcast. Wow, what an intro. Thank you for having me. It's it's an absolute honor. Um, and yeah, like you said, man, you and I go way, way back. So it's uh, it's always good to catch up with a friend. Yeah, I, I, I know that you have a lot going on. And fortunately enough, I was able to catch you on vacation. Uh, and quite honestly, I, I've, I've been thinking about, uh, you know, this rebrand for a really long time. And you know, everybody that's listening already heard about it at the beginning of the podcast. But I just don't feel like there could be anyone more appropriate to be starting this new leg in the journey with me than you. Uh, you know, we've been on this journey together for so long, and I, I I fell out of Rocket League for a little while, just trying to figure things out, and now just uh, coming back and and making a big push for it in in 2020. I I'm thrilled that we were able to make it work and and have this conversation together. So again, thank you. Uh, I will stop uh, fanboying right now. Uh, over over my friend Cloud Fuel, but let's talk some Rocket League. This is what I'm really excited about uh, because, and and this is a, going to be a really interesting addition and start to the Infinite Boost podcast. And this might not be a regular thing. Uh, I would love for it to be a regular thing, but I don't know that it always will. But we had the opportunity to play a few games together before we got started, so that might have a, a nice little addition into the show. We might get to that a little bit later, uh, but keeping with tradition, not everything is going to change with the podcast. Cloud, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about your history with Rocket League, you know, how you got into the game, uh, what you've been doing with the game, and uh, and of course, in Infinite Boost and past Chasing GC fashion, uh, tell people a little bit about uh, your play and where you're at and how you've grown in the game over the past four years. Sure. So, I mean, I, I picked up the game back when it was, was uh, beta on PS4. So this would have been like May of 2015 um, and instantly fell in love. Uh, I, I remember um, got the game like on a, a Wednesday, I think it was, and ended up calling in to work the next two days just because I couldn't stop. Like I had to play the game. It was so addicting. Um, so I started playing back then. Uh, the game officially comes out in July of 2015. And I start focusing more on like community projects. Um, so I wasn't playing as much. Um, so my, my, my gameplay kind of faltered a bit, I would say, in that first year. Uh, I was kind of back and forth between projects and, and playing. Um, so over the years, like I, I haven't put a, a ton of time into like really focusing on the game. A lot of my time has been just kind of playing with friends. You know, we do a lot, a lot of in-house games with the, the RLC crew and friends. Um, but that's like really helped me, I think, to to try to find my own place in in the game and and like try to improve my own skill and, and play style because I you know I play with these guys like yourself and like Dazrin and Achieves and so on and I see the crazy stuff that they're able to do and you know it inspires me to try to do more and to do better. So I think getting a chance to play with those guys on a pretty regular basis 
um, has actually helped me in a lot of ways. I think I'm sitting at about 3000 ish hours total, um, which that's over the course of like the full four, four plus years, uh, since rocket league has been out. So, um, and I think I'm currently around like diamond three champ one feels like I'm stuck in that, like that black hole, <laughs> that plateau of like, can never get past champ one. Um, I don't know. Maybe this year we'll we'll see if I can push beyond that. But so far, it's you know it's been pretty fun. I think I've sat champ one for the past year or so, and uh, you know I'm just good enough to where like I can play with about anybody um, and have a good time. But I'm not necessarily going to be you know the Justin or the Astral of the party. Like I'm just gonna kind of like hang out and chill, and that's that's a good place for me. I feel like. And, you know, this is coming from my own experience as well. Uh, I feel like when you're in that champ one range, depending on what your play style is, you can do a pretty decent job of, quote unquote, keeping up with the champ three or a grand champ. You know, you can touch the ball, you can make saves, you'll get a shot every now and then. You know, you're not necessarily on their level and at the same time, you're still able to contribute to a game. Yeah, I think for me, a lot of it is consistency and speed. Um, and that's something that I've learned, you know, just playing with different people and watching videos and whatnot is like forcing myself to constantly play faster. Um, so like when I'm doing uh, free play training, like I, I just I basically go as fast as possible and just try to constantly like touch the ball. Um, and it's not always like the ideal touch, but just getting that repetitive speed up, um, I think has helped me to, yeah. I mean, I, I can kind of hang with like C3 GCs. They're, they're a bit faster than I can really confidently uh, play against and, and with, but I can sort of hang. And I think as far as like my play style, um, I'm still working on it. I started out as a very defensive player in my early days. Um, I looked up to guys like uh, Gibbs and then probably more recently like a Torment um, and focused more on like being in the right place at the right time and less on flashy mechanics. Um, and then like I, over the year, the past year or two, I've really tried to push myself to be a bit more aggressive. Um, and so I'm going for more, you know, more aggressive plays. I'm trying to be more active on the ball. So I would say maybe more akin to like, I don't know, like a classics from a couple of years back, very aggressive, challenging the ball, trying to be in people's faces um, and then just trying to pass the ball. Uh, Cause I know I'm not the guy that's going to score every time. So I feel like if I can get, if I can win the first engagement and get the ball past that first person and then put it into an advantageous place for my teammates, uh, then hopefully I've got a teammate that's like a stud, you know, like an all-star that could just score from any position and then they're good. So that's usually what I try to do. Um, sometimes works better than others, but, you know, generally that seems to be okay. So with your more defensive play style and now you're trying to be more aggressive, how would you say that showed up in in ranked games? Like would you, when you, let me ask you this question, when you decided to, change your play style were you playing a lot of ranked i know you play just in private matches a lot with the rlc guys were you playing ranked as well so did you see a dip in your rank as you were trying new things or what what was that like as you were getting used to playing in a different style yeah so i mean i've 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 dabbled in ranked like over the years for different uh reasons and i would say that 
the point in which I really tried to be more aggressive um, came after having a coaching session with uh, Jake, uh, who was most recently uh, coach of TSM and previously played with the Chiefs, um, you know, famous Oceana RLCS player. Um, so he basically told me to kind of get out of my own head and to just basically ball chase. And one of the one of the comments he made is like, look at someone like Squishy Muffins, right? Like no one gets mad at Squishy for ball chasing because he knows what to do with the ball and he knows where to put it. And like, if he ball chases, it's like, he's going to be successful with it more often than not. So it's not ball chasing is not bad. Ball chasing badly is bad. And it sort of like flipped the script a bit in my mind. I was like, Oh, okay. I didn't really think of it that way. Um, and so he basically told me like, go chase the ball, go try to be aggressive, try to beat everybody to the ball. Um, obviously, you know, try to be smart with your touches, but like for now, just try to be more aggressive. And so, yeah, the first couple of times that I played with that didn't go so well. Um, I was definitely jumping all over my teammates and missing a lot of things because I was going faster than I normally would, but it quickly turned for the better. Like it, it wasn't like, it felt like it was only a couple of months after that, that I hit champ for the first time. So I went from being like a middling sort of like I think I was like around low level diamond at the time that I first started this. I was like maybe diamond one, diamond two. And I hit champ one within a couple months after that. So, yeah, I mean, I think at first it was, it was a, a bit of an abrupt change and it took some time to get used to, but now it's like, I, I don't, I, I feel so different from the player that I was in like 2015, 2016, 2017. And do you feel like a genuine difference? Can you remember how you used to play then and understand the differences in your gameplay now? Or do you feel like you're still a little bit defensive and you still, and you just go after the ball a little bit faster? So I definitely feel like I, I still have some defensive tendencies, but I do, I can recall the difference between where I'm at now and where I was then. Um, a lot of it is speed and confidence and going for things, um, which I think just kind of comes naturally with, you know, 3000 ish hours in the game. You just kind of get to where, you know, you, you just, you, your understanding of the relationship between the ball, the field, your car, other players, like it just naturally sort of progresses to a point to where like you, you don't have to think about it as much. It just kind of comes more naturally. Um, but I remember thinking a lot in the earlier days. And I, I, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I, I tried to sort of go for a play style like, like Gibbs, um, thinking like, okay, this is a player that I might be able to aspire to be like. Um, and I know like in the early days, everybody was aspiring to be, you know, the Cucks or the Cronovian. And those guys were just so far beyond what I could do that it was, it's like, I can't even imagine <laughs> trying to be those guys. Let me focus on somebody, you know, who has a style that I might be able to emulate if I really tried. So I think I got kind of stuck in that, um, you know, because back then there was like that 2-1 setup where you'd have one person back like Gibbs um, and he'd play more defensive and he'd be like that rock wall. And, you know, he'd pass up and he'd shoot when necessary, but mostly it was like Sad Jr. and Cronovi that would stay up and play aggressive um, and pass off of each other. So that that was kind of the, I guess, that anchor position that I tried to play in the first year or so. And eventually that meta shifted. I think by season two, actually, of RLCS, that meta was gone. And I think I was still like, I hadn't adapted and I hadn't. I think you could say even season one. Yeah. I mean, 
you're right. I mean, Gibbs was already out of the picture by then. So um, I, I think like I was, I didn't really focus on my own skill that much in the, the first year or so of rocket league's existence. So mm-hmm. I think I just kind of like latched on to what, you know, I latched on to kind of like one person stuck with kind of what Gibbs was doing and then try to emulate that and didn't really change until something sort of forced me to change. And I, I think that the, the first thing that really made me think a little bit outside of the box uh, was when I joined ML doubles back in 2017. So ML Doubles is a, uh, a community group um, that provides um, uh, like skilled leagues uh, for various skill levels. And the idea is that you're playing with people that are at or, you know, around your rank and uh, you're improving because you're, you know, you're playing against people that are um, that are practicing and, and like they have scrimmages and they have like all these things going on. Um, they're called ML Esports now, and you know they've been running for several years. But um, that was kind of my my first stomping ground in terms of like a competitive approach. And um, yeah, I mean, I got to play with guys like Reverse Fridge and Ray, and um, it was a great opportunity for me to see that my play style. Because like I'd only played some in houses with friends, and that's super casual. People don't really talk too much about play style and stuff then. Um, and then I played ranked occasionally but I wasn't really getting a lot of feedback and I was kind of relying. I found that a lot of times I would sit back and I would rely on somebody else to be successful. Um, so if I, if I played with somebody who was also defensive, it was an insta loss because I couldn't play forward. And mm. so when I started playing in ML doubles, playing with Ray and fridge, I noticed that Ray and I struggled a bit because Ray also played a little bit defensive and fridge was you know a bit more of an aggressive player so fridge and i tended to play really well because we sort of offset each other but ray and i didn't play as well because of the similarities in play style um so it sort of forced me to change things a bit and you know i put in some time playing with those guys and um i think you know i ended up getting to around the like rising star rank back when that was a thing Hmm. um which is probably like the equivalent of i don't know maybe a gold nowadays gold low level platinum and i sat there for a good uh, six months to a year and then eventually started progressing like slowly and surely up to like the low or like the high platinum low diamond range and then that's when i talked to, to jake and like really changed things so i can definitely recall like prior to like that push after having like worked with jake and really starting to be aggressive everything prior to then um was just a much different feel. I was very defensive, um, very much would be like a passive sort of wait for the ball to come to me. I would just boom the ball back across the field. Like I, I was trying my best to not have to be the guy because I felt like if that pressure was put on me, I was not going to be successful. And now it's like, now I kind of relish it. Like I, I like being the guy sometimes like I like going up there and, I'm not going to always hit double taps, but you know, if I try eventually I'll hit one. So I don't know. I kind of like putting myself in that position. Um, but I still like the, the saves that I think that's still my favorite thing is it's, it's nice to hit a nice shot, but it's really nice when you save somebody else's nice shot, because you, of course, you know, you make a great play on your own, but you also frustrate them at the same time. So you kind of get in their head. So for me, I think I still enjoy the saves a bit more, Um, but I'm starting to round myself out. So I think maybe, I think maybe eventually where I would be is maybe like 
and a, you know, kind of an aspirational thing here, but maybe like a violent panda, maybe someone who is like an all arounder who can pass, who can defend, who can shoot, isn't necessarily known for being the most aggressive player or the, you know, the, the all-star like the Justin or the astral, but it's somebody that you can rely on. So I think that's probably where my play style is shifting towards. Obviously I have a long way to go to ever be like even remotely close to his skill level, but I think that's kind of where I'm gearing towards. I mean, if somebody put me in the same conversation as violent Panda, I would say that's a good day. Yeah. Yeah. I would definitely agree with that. And, I mean, and I, that's an interesting conversation in in itself, just in terms of uh, play style and capability of play. Because I feel like he just kind of blew up over land, and and the journey to that in terms of being a leader. You know, Kadop leaves, Turbo Pulsa leaves. They were the really big names, and I feel like Violent Panda certainly cemented himself a month ago showing that, you know, he's no joke either in terms of capabilities on, on the pitch. Uh, so I, I, and in terms of being like an all around player, it certainly feels good to be able to be that guy that somebody can trust on either side of the field. Cause you know, you have those friends that love, cherry picking or being, you know, on the offensive side of the field and they'll hit a good redirect and they'll play around with the ball and beat a defender or two. But when it comes to the defensive side, you know that you need to back them up because their challenges aren't going to be good. But being able to be that good all around player, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. And it's a really good way to get to GC on a consistent basis as well. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, I feel like if I if I can at least be competent in any situation that you throw me in, then you know I'm not necessarily relying on the rest of the team to uh, like they need to carry their weight, but they don't necessarily need to carry the entire team. Whereas yeah. before, I definitely felt like you know I I'll sit back here and hold this. You know I'll I'll make sure nothing gets back here, but you got to go do the rest. Like it, it was just a much different feel. Um, so I feel a lot more empowered now to uh, to actually be able to play the game, which makes it a lot more enjoyable. Because um, I'm going for crazy stuff now, and you know I'm not necessarily always hitting it, but it's the thrill of like, oh man, maybe this time, maybe this time I'll hit it, and uh, you never know. So what would you say right now in terms of your play? would be the next puzzle piece. That's tricky because I feel like I've gotten to a point to where I can kind of do everything. I just can't do it all consistently. So it's, and I, and I think that's kind of like true of everybody that's in that sort of like high diamond, low champ range. It's, you know what to do. You just don't have the consistency and the speed to regularly do it. So it's like, if there was maybe one thing that I would want to do better, it would be just be faster, like consistently faster, um, like consistently faster with reads, consistently faster with um, being able to like turn on the ball and just like everything that I'm doing. I feel like that, that singular thing would be enough to kind of catapult me up to like a C2, maybe even a C3 range. Um, but that being said, like there were definitely some some mechanics that I'd like to learn. Um, I've never really, uh, 
I guess, mastered the art of dribbling. I've practiced it a lot and I can kind of do it, but I'm, you know, I'm not going to hit any musty flicks on you anytime soon. That's for sure. So, you know, it'd be kind of nice to like really cement that. Um, ceiling shots are obviously, uh, you know, a very sexy play and, uh, it's not the sort of thing that I typically go for, but it'd be kind of fun to, to do one of those, a flip reset, you know, those, those fancier plays, I feel like, um, you know, I see a lot of people going for those, uh, in diamond and champ. And, you know, a lot of times they just don't make any sense. It's like, I'm just going to sit here and wait for you to, to finish doing what you're doing. And then I'm going to take the ball and go this way with it. Um, but, you know, it's it's one of those things that, like, it's a nice cherry on top. If you can sort of, like, pull that off in a play and have success with it, it's really nice. So I think for me, those are kind of like the stretch goals. Like, eventually I'd like to get to those. But the sort of here and now, it's like be a little bit more consistent with the ball and be faster. And let's be honest. Like, it it would feel pretty good to be able to post – a really nice shot on Twitter every now and then. Am I right? There's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like, I mean, I'm, I'm proud of shots that have nothing to do with the ceiling or a flip reset. And I don't mind posting them. And if you build your self esteem based on how people upvote or downvote a shot that you put on Reddit, uh, you might as well not be posting anything that doesn't involve two flip resets or a musty flick from a ceiling shot, twisty, twisty do like they're <laughs> right. brutal. Yeah. I, I haven't dabbled in that, that world. Um, I, I pretty much reserve my crazy, what, you know, what I think to be pretty awesome shots for, you know, for my group of friends. Yeah. Um, I think subjecting that to, the community is probably not going to result in the the best response, um, which is not fair. I mean, they see they see this stuff all the time. Like there used to be like you know like Rocket Dailies. They used to like go over the plays of the day and whatnot. So at at a certain point, and like even even for me, like I've seen so many shots that it's kind of hard for me to be impressed. Like I love you know like I mean Energy. Like they just recently won the World Championship. Garrett, you know, player I love watching a ton. But like I've seen so many of his shots that it's hard for me to be impressed. It's like, oh yeah, he does that in his sleep. But every now and then he'll hit something that I'm like, whoa, okay, that's pretty nutty. Um, Did you see that tweet that I put out though about Justin's goal in regulation in Game Seven in the finals? Uh, I don't think I saw the tweet, but I think I know the goal you're talking about. I mean, the goal was it was an air dribble into him going after the demo. Uh, right yeah. on the goal line that, you know, got the defender out of the way for the goal. Right. I mean, I was so jacked up during that game seven when he did that. I mean, I screamed the <laughs> loudest. I, I decided to record it. I was like, this is game seven of the finals. I'm just going to record it. I'm a content creator. Something good is going to come out of this. And when he right. scored that goal, oh my God, I shrieked. It was amazing. Like, I was just, it was a basic goal. Squishy does those in every single 1v1 video. It's basically a, you know, an air dribble demo montage when he puts out a 1v1 video. But when there's so much uh, behind it, you can't help but be just excited and impressed. 
yeah, it's it's like it's everything about what's at stake, uh, you know, where this is happening at, who this. I mean, it, it was it was against Scrub Killer, right? If I remember correctly, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like doing that to Scrub on the biggest stage in a game seven is just like, uh. are you kidding me? Like that's insane. I, yeah, we were all in uh, in Teamspeak and we were freaking out. Like everybody. I mean, everybody's been wanting energy to win for, for so long, mainly yeah. because of Garrett, right? Garrett's just, you know, he's an OG. He's been to every land. Such They're just a great so likable too. Great. Yeah. Great, likable guy. Um, you know, and he's, he's like been so close so many times and just couldn't quite get there. And then Justin is this phenom that's come out of kind of nowhere in the past three or four years or sorry, three or four seasons that, uh, you know, and he's just, it's it's stupid what he can do with the with the ball. Like it's just he's insane, right? He's like you know like a Pele or uh, a Michael Jordan or whoever. Like he's just insane with what he can do with the ball. So it's like there's no way this team loses, right? But yet somehow they always find a way to lose. And it just it, the story the story has has sucked thus far. If you're an energy <laughs> fan, if, I, I love the guys, but I'm being honest. Like it has been brutal to be an energy fan. And so you know we're just all cheering and we're all so excited. So yeah, I remember that goal specifically, everybody, like it was like a chorus in team speak, everybody freaking out all at the same time. Uh, it was a good time. I definitely remember that. So I actually want to relate that game to a video that Rizzo just put out, uh, today, which was a continuation of his three v three Road to Grand Champ series. Have you ever, have you watched any of Rizzo's uh, Road to GC videos? Uh, not his recent ones, but I've watched some of the ones he's done before. So I would strongly he's just getting into Champ right now. I would strongly recommend watching those. And for you, you're you're definitely more of a positional player. I would say like. You're you're working on the mechanics now and have always had the positioning where I'm the exact opposite. Like I was infatuated with hitting aerials and learning double taps and, you know, flying through the air and just trying to go after the ball that my positioning and my decision making were horrendous. And now that I'm making better decisions, I'm winning more games because I'm not putting myself in stupid places. Anyways, uh. I would strongly, strongly, strongly recommend watching those videos to everybody out there as I have so many times before because they're just so, so good. Um, but that the gold that won them the game in overtime, I don't know if you remember the goal or not or exactly how it was set up. Uh, I think it was Fairy Peak was coming towards uh, the corner of NRG. Justin challenged from the corner Fairy Peak beat Justin uh, instead of rotating back to the goal, which I think a lot of people would consider doing just because it's like the standard thing to do, uh, which is rotate back when you're when you're beat, especially when your team is on defense. Both Garrett and Turbo Pulsa were still back. So Justin, in all of his wisdom, uh, keeps moving forward or at least stays uh, in the middle of the field. And this is something that Rizzo talks a lot about in his champ video that he just put out is being aware enough of where your opponents are and where your teammates are that 
there were many times in the games that he was playing, he said that I'm going to stay mid right here. Or I'm going to turn mid or I'm going to do this because I see both of my teammates there and I don't need to rotate all the way back. That's something that I do on a very consistent basis is rotate all the way back. And then I'll just, you know, pick my nose at the back post waiting for my teammate who is already at the back post to do something so that I can move up six inches and, and take in that position. So in the future, uh, I'm going to, you know, realize where my teammates are, uh, just as Justin did. He stayed at the midfield and Garrett got that amazing clear up the right side, right where Justin was. And Justin was able to just, you know, do a basic Justin thing and get what for him was an easy redirect for the win. And I don't think that, you know, every player would have stayed there to look for that ball, especially in the platinum diamond low champ rank. You know, there isn't a lot of patience or know-how of like, okay, my team is back. I can stay here and wait for a pass. But then if the pass doesn't come, then I need to rotate. I don't need to immediately rotate right now. And that is really what won them the championship. Yeah, and I mean, that's something that I definitely in the past and, and even still a little bit, um, but I'm working on it, um, have been really bad about. Um, and I think a lot of it comes down to, and this this is not a slight against, you know, the YouTubers that, that put out these videos. Like, th- there's so many guys that'll, or, or people that'll put out YouTube videos on, like, how to play the most optimal way to play Rocket League. And it's a very safe sort of approach. And I get where they're coming from. They talk about, you know, sort of the three-man rotation. First man hits it. Second man's there to support. And he's sort of like adjacent, but sort of offset from the first man. And the third man sort of back, scoping out the field and ready to move in where necessary. First man hits the ball. They no longer have the ball. They rotate all the way back and get in line to be the third man. Like, it just makes sense. It's just a big looping circular thing, right? The problem is it's really easy to beat and it's very safe. So it doesn't allow you when you're playing against another team, especially a team that's like as solid as a vitality is, it doesn't allow you to sort of take them um, off guard to catch them off guard, right? Like you, you're going to have to do something special to beat a team like that. You can't just do basic mechanics, basic general stuff. That's good enough to get you plat diamond, maybe even champ, but it's not going to get you GC and it's sure as hell not going to get you a world championship. So a hundred percent agreed. Like those kind of plays, those sort of heads up plays of knowing the risk and the reward and balancing that out and being able to do that on the fly. That's to me why I want to get faster because the faster I can be in everything, the more time I'm going to have to be able to like make those sort of snap judgments. Um, because I see people like I, I play with Daz um, fairly often and he'll do stuff like that where he just stays upfield. And I'm like, but like you're you're upfield and like the ball is going to get thrown this way. And he's like, my guy, if I'm if I'm here and I'm in front of the ball, how in the hell are they going to get it past me? And I'm like, oh, yeah, man, I guess that's a good point. Like you're in their way. So you don't necessarily have to be across the field to stop them. You can be in their face and you can challenge it. So the ball is either going to go out to the left or the right. And then someone's going to be there to get it. So it's it's those heads up plays and thinking outside of the box that I think is the difference between, you know, the champs, the GCs and the pros and like the consistency in which you're able to do that, the speed in which you're able to do it. And then when you get to like a Justin, Astral, Garrett, whoever's level, 
it's like now you're coming up with the creative off the wall stuff and you're you're able to like slide that you know that slider of risk reward a little bit further like they're able to take bigger risks because they know their teammates they're communicating they're doing all these things that they're able to um you know figure out the most optimal way for them to be successful and sometimes you know maybe the most optimal thing isn't the most optimal thing to do like sometimes you have to do something kind of crazy and kind of risky uh to try to win it all and i think part of it is also just like you said doing it the optimal way uh it can be a little dangerous to watch pro level rocket league when you are in that diamond level because you see so many pros making quick turns when that turn is more effective than a quick turn than you would make in in diamond to try and challenge the ball it's 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 hard to like describe it without a specific uh, diagram or visual. I know that I have made a lot of quick turns just because I feel like I need to touch the ball or I want to touch the ball, but it's not going to turn into a challenge that is what I would call productive. It's not going to take the ball away and move the ball to my teammate somewhere or open up a shot for me. It's just going to hit the ball and probably you know, four or five times out of 10, it's going to pinch it towards my side of the field. It's better to go down a little bit farther into my defensive side so that I can turn around to challenge the ball head on, get in between the ball and my goal, and hopefully, you know, slow the play down or make the ball and play turn back in the other direction. Now, something that I see and you know, again, what Rizzo talked about in these uh, videos is if you see that your teammate is all the way back and you're at midfield with 50 boosts, there's no reason for you to turn around and go all the way back just because you were just in the play and you're quote unquote rotating. Like, especially if there is pressure still happening on your offensive side you rotating all the back all the way back just because that's quote unquote the right thing to do and you don't want your teammates to be angry at you it it doesn't make sense you want to keep up that pressure you want to starve them of boost you want to keep peppering them with shots and passes and things of that nature because eventually they're just going to break down and you going back just because going back is the thing to do it it's actually wrong and if you see that they have an opportunity in a half a second to clear the ball, you better start turning around and getting back because that is the time to get back. Like Just like you said, Cloud, uh, the, the more risk you take is good, and those risks turn into learning about when it's okay to stay at midfield and when is the last possible moment that you can wait till you turn around to get back on defense. And it's about waiting till the last second sometimes, as opposed to being all the way back and then ready just to boom it back onto your offensive side or try and start a dribble. Staying in that midfield so you can turn it into a shot or another pass is going to be a lot more optimal because it gives them less time to recuperate and not as much opportunity to do something with the ball. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the the overwhelming uh, statistic of success is shots. Like, if you have significantly more shots than the other team, majority of the time you're going to win the game because you are just keeping up relentless pressure. You're typically starving the other team of boost. You're going to eventually turn those those shots into goals, and you're going to win. So, yes, like when you when you rotate back, and again, this is something that I was really bad about in the earlier years. And I, I feel like I've gotten a lot better in the past year or so, um, but I, de- I definitely still can improve, is rotating all the way back to get boost. Um, and even though I'm doing it fast, the time that it takes me to go get the boost, turn around, assess where everybody's at, because I'm like losing a little bit of knowledge as I go to get that boost. Because I turn, find the boost, because I don't know exactly where it's at, right? I got to find the boost, turn ball cam off, see what's going on, grab the boost, turn around, and then I'm squared away, ready for the play. In that whole time, other things are happening. And if I was upfield, I would be in a position, and I can't tell you how many times I remember, um, not like I, I would see a, a play happening and it's like, man, if I was closer, I could actually take advantage of this. Like the ball is leaking up the field. Like the, the defender was in net, had a, an opportunity for a boomer clear, and like miffs it and it just kind of like leaks out to the side. If I was closer, I could have taken advantage of that and I could have put the ball in net. I could have maybe had a shot. Like I could have done a lot of different things, but because I'm all the way back on my side of the, the field, which is obviously the safest play, I'm no longer in the play and I no longer have an opportunity to be of use to my team. So yes, it's the safe play. It's maybe the optimal play, but it's not going to get you the results that you want. And it's not going to put you in those positions to where you have to go for things. Um, and I remember having conversations with, again, some of the guys I play with like Daz and, and Jorby and some of these people. And it's like, yeah, if, if you, if you stay up field, you're going to be in a position to where you have to jump up and stop the ball going over your head. So just jump up and stop the ball going over your head. Like that's it. Like there's no, you know, it's not like, Oh, well you should have played back more. No, you should play up and you should just be better. And it's, it's easier said than done, <laughs> obviously like it, you know, it's the whole get good thing, but it's true. Like the more you put yourself in these difficult situations, the more comfortable you get with them, right? It's like anything in life, like trying to learn a new language. Well, you're not going to learn a new language by not trying to learn. Like you have to put yourself in that situation. And I've always heard that one of the best ways to learn a new language is to like, actually entrench yourself in the culture like go to where it is dive in yeah and it's like it's it's sort of a trial by fire you know throw yourself to the wolves so to speak um and so like that's something i've been trying to do over the past year with my gameplay is forcing myself into uncomfortable positions i've i've tried freestyling that's something that i never thought i was going to do i looked (laughs) at the people doing freestyles and i was like that's just stupid. Like, what are you even doing? What's the point of it? You're just twisting around and you're just trying to be fancy. What's the point? And it's like, well, no, not always. Sometimes there's actual legitimacy because you need to turn and orient your car in a certain way to get the the perfect angle. So you can hit these crazy, ridiculous shots, or maybe you want more of a, you know, a softer touch. So you want to hit it with your wheels or you want to have a harder, you know, more impactful touch. So you want to like hit it with the tip of your car, you know, on the, on the, the top side or whatever. It's all these little nuances that you don't necessarily think about when you first start playing the game. And it's wild to me because I'll play with my kids from time to time and just like seeing 
how bad they are. <laughs> I mean, I love them, but like they they don't play the game that often. And it's it's just like they're they're so new compared to where I'm at, and I am so effectively new compared to where like a Garrett G or Turbo Pulsa is. And it's just like seeing that drastic difference in skill just kind of reminds me of like, oh man, I used to be there. I remember the days where I didn't jump off the ground. I just stayed on the ground, drove straight into the ball and hoped it would go in the net. And just to like, look back and see how far things have come is, is, you know, it's pretty fun. I like it. It is fun to see how far things have come. And I hope that even though we're at this place that you still find a lot of enjoyment in the grind of the game. Cause I I've certainly had conversations with people in the past that they're like, man, I miss rocket league when we sucked and it was just funny. And when you missed it, it was okay because now you miss and it's frustrating or you miss an aerial or a double touch or an open goal. And it's, it's not funny. It's not a ha ha. We're just hitting the ball around. Like now it's just a game that we're grinding. Yeah. And I think it's really important for those, for the people that are at that stage to really have a good support system, whether that be friends you're playing with um, coworkers, you know, getting involved in some of these community leagues, um, just having something to belong to, because uh, I know for for me, like there was a long time where I would just play ranked solo, and it wasn't the greatest experience. Like I, I kind of felt like I was playing Russian roulette. Like sometimes I would get a teammate that I was able to play really well with, and they were really reliable, and it was a great experience. But oftentimes I would get teammates that I didn't play so well with. And, you know, something that I took, uh, I I learned early on watching some of like Torment's videos when he was doing, uh, you know, kind of similar to what you were saying with Rizzo, the the grind to GC, but he was doing it in twos, um, is he he would always try to, he would not blame his teammates, even if it was like obviously something that they did wrong, because he always felt like there was something that he could have done better. Because if they were put in a position to fail, then there was something he did prior to that that put them in the position that they were in where they could have had the opportunity to fail. And it was an interesting like way of thinking, um, or at least I thought. So it's something that I've tried to force myself to do. So I don't necessarily look at my teammates as like, oh, man, you missed the ball. It's your fault. It's like, well, what did I do? What could I have done? to not put them in that position to where they could have missed the ball and the ball goes in. Like, what could I have done to have like improved this? And, you know, that works to a certain degree, but at the same time, like sometimes team team styles and like play styles just don't mesh. And so over the years I've had that, you know, I've had a lot of experiences where I played with people that I just didn't mesh with for whatever reason. And, you know, sometimes people are toxic and it's not the greatest experience. So when you have that sort of environment, I think playing the game can be very stressful. And the only thing that you really have going for you is like that barometer of success. Um, So the more that you're successful, the more fun you're having, the less success you have, you know, the less fun you're having. But I think if you're able to put yourself in a situation where you're surrounded with friends, coworkers, uh, you know, these community leagues, whatever, it's just a different experience. Like you are still having that fun. So for me, at least like I play, with a lot of the people from RLC or like other um, community organizations or just friends I've met along the way. 
And sure, you know, I want to be able to dazzle. I want to be able to do the crazy stuff. And it, it sucks when I miss stuff, but it's more about just having fun. Like I, I'm not necessarily trying to one up everybody. I'm not trying to uh, show everybody up. I'm not, you know, going full on sweat. Um, I, I'm more just trying to have a good time with friends and at the same time sort of improve my, my play style. And every now and then we'll, we'll play ranked or something. We'll take it a bit more serious and like, you know, try to do proper comms and this, that, and the other. But even then it's like win or lose it's with friends. So I think like, I don't know, to me, like that's a really big part of what makes this game still fun for me after so many hours is being able to like play it consistently with friends and, um, and people I've met along the way. Um, because it's more about the enjoyment it's more about those experiences and it's less about the win and loss. Mm-hmm. So I, I, right after you say that, I do want to transition to you actually, uh, talking some about improving, uh, because I, I think you've said a lot of interesting things that I'd like to dig into a little bit, uh, but not take, you know, four hours to do it because we could easily do that. Um, so I wanted to ask you about what you said a while ago about force to change, because I think this is an interesting topic and, and something interesting to think about, because there are so many people out there, myself included, that can get to a certain point in their game. And, you know, you might just be playing game after game after game and kind of expecting that you'll just naturally get better or because you're playing so many games, you should just be ranking up because you're playing games and you ranked up before from playing games. So that should continue. But that's not necessarily the way that the world works. So... What was it that kind of knocked you on top of the head or what initiated uh, these decisions for you where, and there were a couple of joining MLE and then deciding that you wanted to get better and then whatever kind of awoken you to get in touch with Jake about coaching, what was it? And then how did your perspective on the game shift when that happened? Yeah, so I think I think initially, um, like I, I joined MLD back in 2017, and I think initially it was just like this is a this is a, a community group that I'd followed for um, some time. I, I knew some people that were a part of it. Um, you know, firmly believe in like what they were trying to establish, and it just seemed like it would be a fun experience. So when I first joined, I didn't really have any preconceived notions of like what the experience was going to be like. And it kind of surprised me because it was the first time that I really was playing competitive. And so I remember my first game, I was actually nervous and it was funny because like I, you know, I've previously, you know, uh, helped run things with the RLCS. So I talked to a lot of the players and they would tell me about the nervousness they had. And it was hard for me to relate because I'd never been nervous in a rocket league game. So for the first time ever, I was actually nervous and it was like, oh, okay, I, I get what they're talking about now. Obviously, you know, a little bit of different stakes here, but nonetheless, it was it was nerve wracking. I was playing on stream. So it's like, oh, man, you know, I have a bit of a reputation uphold. Like people don't necessarily know what my skill level is because they haven't really seen me play. I don't you know, I'm not a content creator. I don't post stuff. I don't stream. So 
like I, I didn't want to suck is what it really came down to. I just didn't want to suck. I wanted to, you know, I wanted to, I didn't want to let my teammates down. Um, I wanted to represent myself well, and I just didn't want to look bad. And so, you know, that first game, I, I looked pretty bad. I'm not going to lie. I was pretty nervous and, uh, you know, it didn't go so well. But then I like, I still remember, I think it was like, it was game four. I think that was like the turning point. We, we lost the series, but in game four, I sort of put all that crap out of my head and was like, you know what? Now I'm mad because I know I can do better than this. And I'm just going to focus. I'm not going to talk. I'm just going to like get in my zone and I'm just going to like do whatever it needs, whatever I need to do to be successful. And I did. And I, I, you know, so, so to speak, sort of popped off and like had a pretty good game. And so I found that like, okay, if I sort of shut myself, if I sort of shut the, the unnecessary stuff out of my head and really just focus and like really work on the mental things, then I have the capability of doing these things. And that was the frustrating part is like, I knew I was able to play better than what I showed. So how do I tap into that consistently? And this is something that like, if you follow the RLCS at all, you'll hear the pros talking about it now. And I'm sure this is, these are things that they were learning when they were getting started. But for me, like this was something I didn't realize until like 2017, because that was the first time I really tried playing competitively. So that was the moment for me. It's like not wanting to suck, wanting to make sure that I had a good experience. I was on stream. I didn't want to let people down. I didn't want to be the laughing stock of the community. Like all those things, I put pressure on myself. And that pressure got to me and it, it got me in my own head. And I had to just sort of put all that out of the way and just say, you know what? I'm here to play. I'm going to do the best I can and just focus on literally taking it game by game, shot by shot, save by save, etc. And, you know, it, it. I'd love to say that like instantly, like the light switch turned on and everything was better. It wasn't. <laughs> it took a little while for me to get to where I am now. But um, that mentality, I think, is something that like it was sort of a lightning moment for me. Like I had to force myself to do that more and more. And as I started doing that, I started to have more and more success. And so over time, just part of the natural system of playing in something like an MLD or MLE sports, um, you get better. Like you're playing with people regularly, you're playing ranked, you're playing in scrimmages, you're playing matches and you're just improving. And so after I think like two seasons, I was now going from like a platinum ish rank to like, I think low diamond. And I don't know, it was something about seeing myself go from being like a gold or I don't even remember what the ranks were back then. I think it was like rising star. So the equivalent of that is probably like a gold or platinum now. So seeing myself go from that to like diamond. And I remember being like, oh man, diamond, like that's, that's something big. Like, obviously it's not champ, it's not grand champ, but it still is pretty damn good. Like it's top 2% in the community, top 3% or whatever. Like it's a pretty big deal. So when I finally hit diamond, I was like, you know what? I wonder what would happen if I really took this thing seriously and like, not necessarily try to go pro, but just like, see how good I can get. If I really consistently played every week with, you know, the intent of getting better rather than just play to play. Cause again, I played a lot of in-house games. I played a, a lot of casual and even some ranked, but I never really went and just trained. I didn't do the custom trainer packs all that much. I didn't do the free, uh, free gameplay training or whatever. I didn't do a lot of that stuff. And when I think back, it's like, man, I, I kind of robbed myself a bit because if I had spent time in those, I think I would have been a lot better by now. 
And, you know, if you talk to any of the pro players, they'll all say that like, that is a hundred percent the way you get better is like you, I mean, there's other things too, but like you have to put in the time, you have to grind it out. You're not going to learn to dribble by playing ranked games. You're going to learn to dribble by sitting there for hours and painstakingly trying to dribble over and over again and, and messing it up a hundred thousand times before you get it right. And then you just keep doing it and get better and better. And it's like, well, yeah, that, that totally makes sense. It's like anything in life. If I want to learn how to play basketball, I have to do the basics. I have to like sit there and learn how to properly shoot and like how to flick my wrist and like all these finesse things that you have to do to learn how to play the game. So I started doing those things. I started forcing myself to do it and it was a grind. It was, it was difficult. It wasn't the most enjoyable thing. Um, and I started finding that like, it, you know, it, it changed the way I viewed the game a bit. Like it was, I, I was starting to focus on trying to be more competitive. So I had a drive for the first time and like, I wanted to be better. I wanted to push myself and I wanted to see how far I could go. So I did. And uh, to me, like the most logical thing was like, let me get somebody who's really good. And, and like, I could try to do this on my own. Sure. But what if I get somebody who's really, really good and knows how to play at the highest level and have them give me just a quick assessment of where I'm at and what I need to do to get to the next level. Rather than me try to figure this stuff out on my own and spend all this time just figuring it out, if I can take that time and use it to actually implement what it is that I need to fix, then I'm going to save myself time in the long run. So that's why I reached out to Jake. And at the time, you know, he was he was just coming off of playing with the Chiefs, a very successful Oceana team in the RLCS. Um, you know, he just announced that he was going to be the coach for TSM, obviously a huge deal. And he was offering coaching sessions. And I was like, yo, perfect. I know Jake. Jake's a great guy. Let me reach out to him. Uh, you know, I'm happy to support him. So I'll pay for a session and we'll just see how it goes. And I had no idea what I was going to get myself into. Like never done coaching before. Really didn't know what to expect. And it was uh, it was pretty fun, to be honest. Like I, I would definitely do it again. Um, he, you know, he had me send him a few um uh, replays of games that I had played recently. And we just kind of went through it. And he, you know, he kind of walked me through the different things I was doing and things that he would have done if it was him. Um, then he showed me some of his replays and like different decision making things that he had done. And I'm sure he's probably like this was back when he first started coaching. So I'm sure he has like, you know, much more tools and, and, and different things that he does now. But at the time, for me, that was great because it was like, I'm getting a one-on-one -on -one opportunity to talk to somebody who is a very highly skilled player who can see the things that I can't necessarily see. And he could point out, these are the flaws in your game. These are the things you need to do to get better. And I mean, lo and behold, it worked. I went from being like a lowly sort of like high plat, low diamond player to being consistently like high diamond, high, like low champ. And so that's where I've kind of been for the past year or so. Um, so I don't know, maybe it's time for another coaching session or maybe it's time to like really buckle down and, and really focus again. Um, Cause I definitely want to hit champ or sorry, grand champ at some point. Um, maybe 2020 is the year. And I'm, I'm curious about that because, <coughs> excuse me. I think that really begs the question and I'll, I'm obviously, I want you to get there as well. Don't, I don't want to make it seem as if I don't want that. And I'm curious to see what will happen. I'm 
genuinely intrigued to see what kind of effort it takes in 2020. And by 2020, I mean this phase of the life of Rocket League, because I talked to Shock a couple episodes ago, who's, you know, going to be starting here in the RLCS in just what, a, a month from now or less. Um, and he said that he was at GC within four or 500 hours, but that was in 2015 when everybody was just figuring out the game. And now, you know, the idea of somebody getting to GC in four or 500 hours doesn't seem possible at all. You know, if, if somebody is just, uh, learning and practicing through gameplay and just, you know, grinding games and, and practicing things in games, is that enough to get to GC at this point? Or do you have to spend that time in free play and training packs and, you know, figuring out these more intricate mechanics and going over replays and understanding your mistakes? Like in terms of you, and this isn't, you know, me putting down your effort in the game, you know, everybody has a life and you have a very full one, you know, do you see yourself having the time for all of these extra things like replay analysis and, and free play training and training packs, or are you mostly going to be playing games and really focusing on what you're doing in those games and trying to correct mistakes uh, while you're playing those games and hoping to get there through that? Or like, how do you see your progression moving forward or your time in the game moving forward? Yeah, so I definitely think it's going to be a combination of all those things. Because um, like you said, my, my time is pretty limited. Um, so when I do have free time, I typically like to just relax. So I'm going to have to carve out some time to actually focus and, and you know, do free play, do custom trainer packs. And, you know, I've done that over the past year or so, and I found a lot of enjoyment out of it. Um, like one of my favorite packs is uh, Lethemir's Breakaway Pack. I don't know what it is about it, but I just, I enjoy the shots in there. Um, Karma's got a pack as well that I, I enjoy. Um, You'll have to share those codes with me so I can, yeah, I can put them in the show notes. For sure. And I mean, there's tons of packs out there. I mean, there's so many people that make great oh, packs. Yeah. Um, but those are just two that like I played and I found that the shots were difficult, but like not impossible. And, and, and I, you know, had a sense of like, confidence and accomplishment when I was able to hit those shots. So for me, like those are nice sort of warm up packs of like just making sure that I've still got it. Um, so I still do those. And, and I found like, you know, I'm kind of, I'm, a, I'm in a pretty lucky position where I get to, you know, I get to work from home. Um, you know, I, I take a lot of meetings with uh, various people and sometimes when I'm in these meetings, I will actually play free play in rocket league. And it, it works for me because it's a way for me to sort of like, I'm, I'm able to sort of like zone out on the rocket league portion and just like let my hands, like the, the hand eye coordination do its thing mm-hmm. while I'm focused on this meeting that I'm having. And it doesn't really like, I'm still able to have the meeting. I'm still able to have a conversation, but I'm going through the mechanics and going through like the motions of what to do in rocket league. So it sort of keeps me warm. And it gets me more hours. It gets me more time with the game. So I've started doing that over like the past year. And I found that that, you know, sometimes can work pretty well. Um, So I think, yeah, I mean, I'm going to have to do a combination of those things. Uh, But I think the biggest thing is just forcing myself to 
to be in those sort of difficult positions again. So I'm actually looking uh, over the past three seasons. I haven't played in Emily. I've kind of taken a step back. So I'm actually considering playing again this next upcoming season. Um, I'm also thinking about uh, looking into some other leagues that exist just to force myself to be in those positions of where I have teammates. I have people that I don't want to disappoint. I'm going to potentially be on stream. Like all those things that I knew forced me to get better when, when it was the earlier days for me, I know that those things would do it again now. And it'd be the same position where it's like, now I'm champ or I'm high diamond and I'm playing against other diamond champ players. And of course they're going to be really good. And I'm going to want to be able to be competitive with them. I don't want to get shown up. I don't want to look foolish. Um, so putting myself in those positions is going to force me to have that drive to get better. Um, that's just, I don't know. I'm very competitive when it comes to things like that. I, I don't want to necessarily be the best. I mean, I'd like to be the best, but I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> but I don't want to be bad. That's really what it comes down to. I don't want to have a bad experience. I don't, I don't want to get shown up. I want to be competitive. Like my favorite games are the games where it's honestly where it's like super sweaty. Like it's back and forth. We score, they score, we score, goes to OT. uh, And then like, you know, five minutes later, one of us scores. Those are my favorite games by far because I have to really put everything I have into it. And when I'm done, I literally feel like a weight is lifted off. Like I put everything I had into that game and I left it all on the field. Those games are amazing. So the more I can have games like that and not be, you know, I don't want to be the guy that's sitting at the back of the field that can't do anything that has to rely on his teammates. Like, I don't want to do that. I want to be able to be successful. I want to be able to be consistent. And the more I put myself in situations where I have to do that, the more likely I'm going to be able to achieve that. I just love this game so much. It really is pretty awesome. The, there... There's just nothing else on this earth, like you said, where you can have a a back and forth game and then have a five minute overtime that is one of the most like back and forth action packed things that you've ever seen. And it's and you're just like sitting at a computer and doing that and it's all happen. I mean, there's just nothing else like it in the world. And it just makes me so giddy thinking about like what is possible and being able to participate in it, you know, and again, not at a pro level, but even at a not pro level champ one, two and three rocket league, especially when you're playing, when you're in it is still like intense. Like we're still moving at a pretty reasonable pace. It's still exciting when you get three, ridiculously unreasonable saves right at the beginning of a game (laughs) for no reason somehow to keep it at zero zero, which may or may not have happened at the beginning of our last game somehow miraculously. That was crazy, but it's just those exciting things that happen that just keep you coming back for more. And there there's just never been a game like this game for me. And I don't think there will ever be another game like this game for me until they come out with SARP two. Yeah, this, uh, this is definitely a very special. And and I knew this, like when I first found the game, 
Like I knew from the get go, I knew immediately like this was different. And this was honestly, it was the game I'd been looking for. Um, Cause I played a lot of co-op games before um, I played, you know, stuff like Badfield, Bad Company two. Um, I played left for dead, uh, you know, played call of duty, played Madden. I played a lot of team co-op oriented sporty type games. And I never quite got the experience I was looking for. The thing I didn't like with Madden is that I'd push a button and then behind the scenes, the game would like decide if I threw a touchdown or decide if I randomly fumbled. It wasn't me doing it. It was me pushing 100%. a button and hoping for the best. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, in games like, you know, left for dead battlefield, call of duty, those sort of games, like it was so easy to not really play as a team. Like you play team death match, you'd play whatever. You didn't really have to play as a team. You could kind of go do your own thing. And so you didn't really feel that responsibility of like, I don't want to let my teammates down. Like what I wanted, honestly, what I wanted is what I had when I was in school, when I was playing in sports and when I was in band and I had this sort of responsibility on me of wanting to do my part. I didn't want to let my, my teammates, my bandmates, whoever down. So I needed to make sure that I did my part to be there for them. And I really enjoyed that. It made me step up as a person. Like that was some of my, my pivotal years growing up to become the man I am today. Um, and so I think I kind of longed for that in, in whatever way I could have it. And lo and behold, Rocket League was that option for me. It was a game where I could control entirely how good I was. Like there was no blaming it on the sticks. There was no blaming it on the game. If I sucked, it's because I sucked. And if I was great, it's because I was great. It was all on me. And I had teammates that relied on me to do my part. And if I missed, you know, it was on me. And if they missed, it was on them. You know, like that experience is, it's, it's you know, once in a lifetime. And so I think that's why I gravitated towards Rocket League so quickly and so passionately. Um, and I, you know, I knew early on that like, being a pro was just not going to be a thing for me. Like there was just no way I was going to put in that kind of time. So I always sort of put that on the back burner. I focused more on the community project stuff and um, you know, I just kind of played the game for fun, but as time has gone on, it's just kind of natural, I guess. Like I'm watching these players play over the years and getting better and better and better. And they're winning championships and all these different events we go to. And it's like, I mean, it'd be cool to be at their level. I don't think that's ever going to happen, but, damn, that doesn't mean I can't try to get good, right? I can I can have some fun with this. And it's been a really enjoyable experience trying to push myself to be better every time I play. And, you know, every time I do, I find that, like, there's there's people out there that will just absolutely mollywop me. <laughs> and it's like, well, okay, I still have a long way to go. But at the same time, you know, I play with my kids or I play against other people that are new to the game. And I see how far I've come and it's uh, it's pretty staggering. And um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's one of those games that like people say all the time, you know, like, Oh man, this game is, you know, we're, we don't know where this game's going to go. We don't know if it's going to be around forever. We don't know what's going to happen. This game, let me, let me clear the air for anybody listening. This game is not going anywhere. It's one of the best games ever made. There's a reason why I've put more hours into this game than any other game ever. This game is not going anywhere because this community is not going to go anywhere. Like this is basically 
a basketball or a, a soccer or whatever. Like it's not going to go anywhere. We're going to love it and we're going to play it forever. It is the first true electronic sport because it is a sport. Yeah, it really is. And they, they did it so right because just like in basketball or soccer or hockey or tennis, like it is, it is one-to-one like what you do with the controller, just like silent echo said a few episodes ago, like what you do with the controller is what happens to the car and what you do with the car to hit the ball is what happens to the ball. And just like you said, yeah, like there is a physics engine, but it's, it's, it's completely based on like how you control everything. And there's just nothing else like it. And honestly, if you ask me, rocket league is just ahead of its time. Esports are not as accepted and socially viable as we would like them to be. And as soon as they start getting more and more, so rocket league is going to persevere. Like, League of Legends is celebrating what ten years? Like it's it's been an esport and been a competitive game for ten years. We're at year four right now. We haven't even gotten started. Yep. Yeah, it, this definitely has a lot of potential. Um, and and not to like diss on League of Legends or any of those other games, but for me, those weren't the games that. I was, I gravitated towards, like I had a hard time really like, like watching those games. It was hard for me to get into. It just wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and and that's fine. Like some games are, you know, some people are into like strategy games. Some people are into FPSs. I was into sporty team oriented games. Just that's where I, I gravitated. And so for me, like rocket league was a natural, um, progression. It was something that I, I, I think I was always destined to like, you know, I was always going to like love this kind of game. Totally. Um, it was just a matter of like psionics and, and like, you know, Adam deciding to put the ball in the in, in the game and then it became SARP and then it became like that whole progressive line is, is still incredible to me. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, I think that this game has I mean, I've said this for the year, for the, all, all the years that I've been around it, but it has so much potential. Um, anybody can watch it and understand it. Anybody can watch it and enjoy it. Um, I mean, we're going to get a, an opportunity to be a part of, you know, maybe not like officially a part of the Olympics, but at least a part of the opening segment, the opening ceremonies, I guess, uh, of the Olympics this year. And we're one of two games. One of two. It's, it's us and Street Fighter, which Street Fighter has been around forever. Like, that's a huge honor. And it's going to be a massive audience. I don't know what it's going to do for Rocket League. Rocket League just had the best, um, in terms of like viewership, the best season ever this last season. And it kind of came out of nowhere. Like I did not expect the viewership to be that good for the World Championship. And it was. And it was amazing. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Like 2020, I'm hoping, is the landmark year for Rocket League Esports. Um, obviously, I used to be pretty heavily a part of it and you know i definitely have my thoughts on things that i would love to see psionics do uh or epic now i I don't know exactly how that relationship works but you know i look at what what epic has been able to do with fortnite and some of the really cool stuff they have in game like with their in-game tournament system and i man i just i get so excited thinking about the potential like something i've always 
like I know we're kind of going off topic here, but just real quick, something I've always wanted to see. <laughs> what if, just imagine, imagine a Rocket League game. Like you've you've seen some of the Fortnite events, right? The crazy, like everybody's watching at the same time, everybody's experiencing at the same time. Imagine a Rocket League game happening live inside of Fortnite. Like imagine if on stage at a world Whoa. championship, right? <laughs> hold up, hold up. Inception time, right? Okay. So Vitality's playing NRG. Justin's going up there to hit the ball and then to do the, you know, he, he gets the uh, demo on scrub. Imagine that you're inside of Fortnite, inside of a digital arena. You're the egg. You're sitting there in the stadium as an egg and you're watching this happen as a hologram live. Or even as a Fortnite avatar. Yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would imagine they would have like some crossover stuff. Um, but yeah, like the concept basically is like you are, you're the eggs that are in the stadium. So you're sitting in there as like your Fortnite avatar. What if it was watching. a Fortnite avatar in the head? It was an egg. Yeah, that could totally work. So Dude, I don't know. Nasty. I would. Right. Like, and they could do it. I mean, hell, they just had a black hole event that people were watching for days. Like they could totally pull this off. That was the best thing in gaming. It really was. Honestly, was the hype that they built around that stupid black hole was <laughs> amazing. It was great. It was amazing. That yeah. would be that would be really cool. Yeah. So I'm hoping that with Psionics and Epic together now, I want to see some crazy stuff like that. Yeah. That wow. I would love to see that. Uh okay. So as we are winding down. Uh, one thing that you talked a lot about uh, was was getting faster. Uh, and I think that is a critical part of the game. And I've said this in past episodes. Like I, I feel that just saying getting faster is somewhat of a dangerous statement because even though Jake told you to be ball chasey, you know, eventually that ball chasiness goes against you more than it goes for you. So when you say getting faster, what exact when you when you think about that phrase, that term, what do you think about or how does that actually play out in your head and, and on the pitch for you right now? So I think it's a couple things. I think first and foremost, it's thinking. So how fast am I able to read the situation? Where are my teammates? Where are my opponents? Where's the ball? Where am I? What's the orientation of everybody on the field? What is the most likely scenario or the outcome of this current play? Where's the ball going to go? The faster I can do that, the faster I know what to do with myself. So if I know the ball is going to be up in the air, I need to get ready to jump up for it. If I'm in, you know, if I'm the, the guy to go for the ball. So that's the first part is just being able to read everything faster. And the second part is to be able to do everything faster. So I need to be able to, I need to be more efficient is really what it comes down to. And this is something that like Cux is known for his efficiency, like how fast he is to the ball. Like that's the, you know, that's where the whole calculated thing came from. Like his ability to just get there perfectly on time, every time was unparalleled for years. And to me, like that's, that's it. Like you have to be efficient. You have to take, the smartest, fastest route possible. And you have to do it with consistency and accuracy. 
So you, you're only going to be able to do that with reps. So playing the game, you know, as the game itself, just playing ranked, I don't think people are going to be able to, I mean, maybe, maybe they're just naturally skilled, but for me, for sure, I'm not going to be able to sit there and just play ranked games over and over again. And that be enough. I'm going to have to take the individual things that are lacking in my repertoire, so to speak. And I'm going to have to grind those things out. I'm going to have to work on double taps. I'm going to have to work on air dribbles. I'm going to have to work on dribbling. I'm going to have to work on all these individual things to make sure that I am as smooth, precise, accurate, whatever you know term you want to use as possible. And the more I do it, the more consistent I get with it, the faster I get with it the more confidence I have to just do it in game. Mm-hmm. So those are the things that I have to do to get faster. Nice. I like it. I like it a lot. Very, very good. Okay. So then final question before we start uh, winding down, what is the first thing? Because in the shock episode, I think he said something really good that you the best way to improve is to focus on one thing until you master it. And maybe not, you know, again, we're not going pro, so not necessarily getting to mastery, but to a place where you feel extremely proficient or more effective with it. uh, And then moving on to the next thing. So if you were going to pick one thing that you could uh, become much more effective on and work on that consistently to get to that point, what would that next thing be for you? So I think it would be my, my in air, my aerial gameplay, my ability to not so much get up into the air. Cause I, I spent a lot of time on that. I was back flipping a lot. I had that problem. <laughs> I kind of famously would do this thing where, um, if I ever back flipped in a game, it was kind of like drop and give me 20 push ups. I would stop in the middle of a game and I would like, do the quick aerial thing five times. Like every time that I would backflip instead of aerial, like I was supposed to, I would do that. And I would just force myself to do that over and over again. And eventually like I stopped backflipping. So I've got the getting up in the air part down. It's okay. Now I'm in the air. What do I do? How do I get to the ball quickly and precisely? How do I orient my car the right way to either get the ball around a defender, get the ball into the right place on the net um, cause a lot of times when I'm, when I'm doing the custom trainers, I won't just shoot the shot to score. I'll shoot it into different points on the net. So it's like, I'll take one shot and I'll try to get it top left, top, right, bottom left, bottom, right, middle. Like I try all these different orients to like figure out what I can do with the ball. So it's like all of those things, uh, kind of wrapped in one. That's what I've got to focus on. I think next, cause like the dribbling, I think that's very situational. I think like, you know, the, uh, the half flipping and like all these like fancier mechanics. I don't think I necessarily need those to get by. Like those would be nice to have, but I think the thing I really need to work on next is being consistent with my orientation of my car in the air and like being able to basically not freestyle, but being able to like smoothly turn and orient my car the right way as quickly as possible consistently. And that's something that I've been working on and I've seen some progress, but I still have a long way to go. Yeah, I I feel like I can agree with you there. There's something not quite right about how I am making attempts at double touches. 
and and part of it is maybe not i i don't think double touch is the right phrase here more uh, my backboard reads are not perfect in terms of how i'm getting the read and then how i'm taking off for said read like there's something just a little bit off because my touches aren't as effective or as powerful as I would like them to be. So there's something there that I get to work on. So I definitely uh, can see where you're coming from there. And just being more effective, uh, getting better touches in the air can lead to more opportunities. Uh, Just getting to the ball where we're at in the game isn't really good enough anymore. If you want to continue to progress. Yeah, absolutely. And and like another part of it too, I think is like uh, a lot of times I will ho- hold boost way too long and I sort of like, you know, it's kind of like the, the boomer mentality of just like booming the field or booming the ball across the field instead of like keeping the ball close and like really keeping control. It's the same sort of thing in air. If I'm just like pressing and holding boost and going towards the ball, that's not really finesse. And I need to work mm-hmm. on that finesse. As I'm orienting my car, I need to feather the boost in different, you know, in, in different increments to like get myself where I need to be to be in the, the proper position to hit the ball wherever I want it. And um, that's something that I've like, it was a habit that I didn't even realize I had. That, that was a you know, kind of a bad habit. I would just sort of like mash down boost and hold it until I got to the ball and then it was like, well, now I'm out of boost. What do I do? It's like, well, yeah, dummy, you, you used all the boost to get to the ball. You didn't need to, you're floating in air, just like let your car float. And as it starts to dip down, use the boost to like get the, the leverage you need. So it, it's just being more thoughtful and, and being more accurate um, and precise with, with all the things I'm doing in air. Nice. All right. Well, Although some things change, other things never change at all. And we are here at the end of the first episode of the Infinite Boost podcast. And it's going to be the same. So, Cloud, do you have any final thoughts that you would like to share with the audience? Um, yeah, I, I would just say, you know, for those of you who are new to Rocket League, welcome it's going to be a great experience. I hope you have a lot of fun. Um, stick with it. It's a great time. For those of you who have been doing it for years like me um, and are maybe not in the place that you want to be, I would highly, highly recommend getting involved in community groups that specialize in having leagues and tournaments designed for different skill groups. Um, I know ranked is is obviously it's in the game and it's easy to do, but in my personal opinion, it's not the best experience all the time. Being a part of leagues and being a part of these these sort of structures where you get to play with people that are at your level, you get to meet them, you get to have a good time, you get to build the camaraderie that's in the community. That's really the special sauce that makes Rocket League so great. Like this community is awesome um, if, you, if you take the time to get to know people. So I would highly, highly encourage you, uh, whoever you are, like do that. Go check out minor league esports go check out indie gaming league uh you know all these different groups that do these sort of things check those those groups out get involved and and i promise you you're gonna have a much better experience playing rocket league i wholeheartedly agree there are i'll say this you always find exactly what you're looking for so if you feel like the community is negative if you feel like the community is full of trolls and bad teammates 
all you're going to get is bad teammates, trolls, and bad community. If you're looking for good people to team up with, uh, good community members, people to build friendships with, people to get better at the game with, there are so many places that you can search them out and find them. And you just need to take the time to put some effort into it and do it. Uh, so I think that is a, a very, very good point. Uh, Cloud, if people wanted to connect with you, although I'm sure uh, the majority of people that are listening to this show uh, already know who you are and where to find you, uh, where where are you located out on the internet? Yeah, so I'm on I'm on Twitter, I'm on Discord, I'm on Reddit, on Twitch. Uh, it's all just cloud fuel. Um, so yeah, look me up, uh, send me a DM. Let's play some games sometime. And you will be able to find him in the game very easily because of the moderator tag. So if you see a cloud fuel out there without the moderator tag, it might not be him. Lots of impersonators right now. Yeah, uh, thankfully, I, I don't think I've had too much of that. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I pretty much I pretty much always rock the moderator tag. Uh, sometimes it, it gets me some, some extra flack from some of the trolls, but most of the time it feels like people tend to, I don't know. It tends, it seems like people tend to behave a little bit better when that title's on. So I kind of like it. I, I like everybody to have a good positive experience. That's just, you know, I'm an older guy. That's what I like. I like, uh, I like my games to be fun, fair, positive. So yeah. Nice. And then last but not least, Cloud, do you have a question that you would like to ask of the Infinite Boost audience? Ooh, okay. I hadn't thought of that. Um, is this so, is this oriented towards like gameplay or just anything? Who cares, man? You're you're the first guest. You can ask whatever you want, as long as it's you know. Something oh. that I can post on a podcast. Gotcha. Um, all right. I'll ask this. What, if anything, uh, are you most looking forward to in 2020 uh, in terms of Rocket League? Like, this could be, you know, things that they're going to add to the game. This could be like Rocket League esports related. Like, what do you want to see most? What is the one thing that you want from Rocket League in 2020? Oh, man. This is like an easy, quick answer just for me. But I'm genuinely curious to see what happens with blueprints, items, and the item shop once we get past having crate items be a part of it. I want to see fresh items in the item shop. I want to see fresh items coming out of blueprints and I want to see how the community reacts to that um, and how that how that plays out community and economy wise. That's just like a small thing that came to my mind first. But in terms of features and things, of, which I'm guessing is what you mean, um, I'm totally open and intrigued to see where they go next. You have anything in particular that you have in mind for an answer of your own question? Yeah, I mean, I've thought about this quite a bit, and it's something that I've, I've kind of wanted to pose the community. 
Um, you know, I, I'm naturally sort of oriented towards the esports side of things. So I think for me, the, the thing I would love to see most is um, just more support uh, for the community organizations that are out there. Um, there are a bunch of great groups like Rival Esports and, um, you know, playing with Rockets and RBG and like all these groups that are doing, you know, they're, they're doing a fantastic job of creating opportunities for up and coming players to, to play and prove themselves. And I would really love to see something official uh, that supports those groups and provides an opportunity for these bubble players to get better. Uh, right now, you know, there's the RLCS and there's the rival series and those things are great, but for everybody else that's outside of that, unless you're part of like CRL and you want to be competitive, you want to like, what, what is your path to pro? There really isn't one. And I, I think it's something that like psionics with just a little bit of maybe, maybe some monetary support, but probably doesn't even really need monetary, just promotional support and just a tie in. Um, you know, they did a Renegade Cup thing um, a season or so ago or a year ago. That was a was year really cool. ago now. It was a year. Yeah. And that was really cool. Like that was something that um, I think is kind of loosely based on something I had talked to them about like two years ago with like something I was hoping to do with Rocket Royale, which was basically to build this like circuit system with community groups all being a part of it. And it was like, as a player, you could play in all these different events and sort of prove yourself. It was like a proving grounds, right? And, um, you know, I think there were some issues with the Renegade Cup, but in general, I think it was a really good idea. It's a great way to promote these community groups that have, I mean, they've been, I mean, listen, these people put in hours of their time because they love this game so much and they want to create opportunities for others. Like, how cool is that? Right. They're not doing it for the praise. They're not doing it for the money because they're sure as hell not making any money off it. They're losing money like they just love it. Right. So to me, it's like if those people like I would want to see those people continue doing those things because they're doing an awesome job. And I'd love to see them get the recognition that they deserve. And I'd love to see at the same time, you know, these bubble players that are looking for a place to play. They're hungry. They want a place to play. And sure, they could go out there and set up scrims and they could do all this stuff on their own. But it's just better when it's it's an official thing and it's got like that psionics or epic stamp of approval. It's got a little bit of money. It doesn't have to be a lot. You know, a couple hundred bucks is probably more than enough. Uh, maybe a title at the end of the season, whatever. Like, I'd love to see something that's like an official circuit of sorts that, you know, encompasses the entire community, has that psionics epic stamp of approval and, and, you know, really gives the community organizations an opportunity to sort of prove themselves, like to step up to the plate and, you know, up, up their graphics and up all these things and just like give them a reason to do what they do. That's what I'd love to see most in 2020. I agree. The fact that they didn't continue the Renegade Cup was a bit disappointing to me. I would have liked to see that iterated and, and continued uh, through, you know, the rest of 2019, because it, it was a really good opportunity for everybody. And it might not have gotten the viewership or anything that they would have liked to see, but it would have supported uh, a large portion of folks that are looking, you know, for an opportunity to compete or do things like that. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, that is, brings us to the end of the podcast. And before I officially 
close the door on this one, I would just like to say that, uh, again, Cloud, thank you so much for joining me. It has been a real treat hanging out and chatting with you about the game and, of course, playing a few games with you uh, before that. Uh, I had, uh, I think we both had some pretty crazy saves in that last one. Uh, the fact that we won that game was nothing short of a miracle, uh, especially... Uh, those few saves that we had at the beginning. It really worked out in our favor, uh, but it was a lot of fun. So thank you for that and hanging out for a little while and chatting some Rocket League with me. I think this was a, a really fun and a great way to start off the Infinite Boost podcast in 2020. Uh, and before I go, I would just like to say a couple of things. As always, you can find me out on the internet, basically anywhere the internet is found, Twitter, Instagram, uh, at I wanted just Tom on YouTube. I wanted just Tom. All of those links will be down below. And a couple of exciting additions to that. Uh, one, you know, I've been building such a great community and been hearing from you guys on Twitter and other places about the podcast. I finally decided to pull the trigger and open up a Discord for myself, uh, a place that I can finally call home base that is now available and open. So I would be more than happy for you guys to come and meet and talk with other people in the community. You know, Cloud said uh, one thing that is always good to do is find a good community of people that you can play with and compete against and grow with. And I certainly have some ideas on how I want that to happen in my own Discord that I've been working on with uh, friends of the show. So make sure to join that. If you so choose, I would love to have you and hear you know, feedback about the show and meet other fans of the show and listeners of the show. That would be really great. And uh, more for myself, uh, I have decided to open up a Patreon page as well. Obviously, there is no requirement. Uh, this podcast forever and forever will be completely free to anybody that would like to listen to it. However, if you would uh, be interested in um, showing a little support to the show, obviously I would greatly appreciate that as uh, my investment in time and uh, financially continues to grow in the efforts that I'm making to put all of these things on. Anything that you feel like you would like to give uh, would be greatly appreciated. And I also have other ideas as uh, that amount grows in other content that I can start creating. Uh, so if you're interested, uh, that will be linked down below as well in the show notes. You can check that out. That's patreon.com slash I wanted just Tom. Again, no, not necessary by any means and also extremely greatly appreciated. Uh, and that's that. Uh, so one last time, Cloud, thank you so much uh, for joining me. It's been a real pleasure. Uh, this podcast is officially over. <laughs>